This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. College football, let's start with the Big Ten today, and let's start with the toughest division in the Big Ten. Not a whole lot of parity, a lot of balance between the East and the West in the Big Ten, but that's what you get when you want to maintain that rivalry every year, and everybody wants to see Michigan and Ohio State well, calls for some lopsided divisions. Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports, Bruce Marshall of uh, VegasInsider.com and also CBS Sports Line, and I guess we start with, I mean, Michigan has taken over uh, two straight years. Uh, they have won, and they host uh, this year. And, well, uh, you know, getting away from sort of that uh, spread experiments and going back to what Jim Harbaugh knows best, guys, and that's a lot of scrimmage, you know, whether it's San Francisco, the Car- you know, Stanford Cardinal. I mean, he is a line of scrimmage guy, and he's going back to his roots, going back to old school football, and it's paid off as a back-to-back Big Ten championships and also back-to-back appearances in the college football playoffs. Paul, first of you, first with you, as Michigan is it tilted now? Is Michigan the big dog uh, in the Big Ten? Well, Jimmy, I'd I'd have to say, you know, based on the last couple of years, you've got to give them a slight edge. I mean, these teams obviously are very, very close. I actually have uh, Ohio State, I think, just very slightly power ranked higher than Michigan. But, you know, you kind of hit the the head on the nail, so to speak. I mean, they run the football. They've won the Joe Moore Award, uh, symbolic of the nation's best offensive line the last two years, uh, the first uh, back-to-back winner of that award. Got 145 career starts coming back on the offensive line, so they could make it three in a row. And uh, not only can they block it, you know, they've got arguably the best running back tandem uh, in the nation with uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, uh, guys who have combined to rush for more than 3,600 yards during their uh, Michigan careers. So, you know, this is a team that's uh, that's ramped up uh, on defense. They do have to replace some key guys. I mean, you look, first of all, at defensive tackle, Mozzie Smith. Uh, He was a high draft uh, pick, first-round pick, 26th overall selection to the Cowboys. And then defensive end, uh, Mike Morris, also had 11 tackles for loss and seven sacks last year. So they got some key people there. Got a cornerback in in the back of the defense, D.J. Turner, uh, second-round pick of the Bengals to replace as well. So, uh, you know, they're pretty much, though, in in the the state of – reloading and not rebuilding so they might take a very small step back defensively uh, but it's all relevant because uh, they'll once again be one of the you know top five or so defenses in the uh, in the nation you know the schedule quite favorable only ranked 67th by one publication uh, and that's at least somewhat due to a three-game non-conference schedule in which they'll be favored in all three of those games by 35 or more points so by not playing anybody in the in the non-conference, that certainly uh, you know skews their uh, strength of schedule. They've got a November 11th trip to uh, Penn State right now. I think they're favored by two at Bet Rivers on the games of the year. 
And then, of course, uh, got the game Thanksgiving weekend at home against Ohio State. Those are the only two games, uh, I think, that will feature less than a double-digit uh, point spread. So even if they don't uh, win all their games, I think they're a really uh, solid bet uh, to make the college football playoff uh, for a third straight year. Yeah, right now they're uh, they're favored uh, in all 12 of their games. Their win total, both Michigan and Ohio State's win total is 10 and a half. Uh, a little bit shaded uh, to the over. Michigan right now at Bet Rivers minus one thirty four. Ohio State over minus one twenty five. But Bruce, it's 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 weird because you know they haven't passed up Ohio State as far as producing NFL talent. Ohio State's still that team. And look, we were ready to say, oh oh man, is Day a little trouble? How close was Ohio State to winning the national championship last year? They're beating TCU. I mean, if they if they get past Georgia, I mean, you 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 can book that. I mean, and so they were just that close. Uh, but you know, still producing the most NFL talent, third most active players uh, in last year's, uh, you know, 2022 rosters. So it's uh, – but still, uh, you know, and they have it at halftime lead in Columbus in a rare uh, revenge spot was – that was impressive by Michigan, how they could completely dominate that second half. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, in some generalities about all this. One, um, I've heard a lot of people say that, Okay, Michigan has closed the gap on Ohio State. Well, they've beaten them the last two years by a combined 37 points. I think they've closed that gap. More than that, football is a psychological game. And Jim Harbaugh standing up to Ohio State the last couple of years and slapping them down is a huge advantage for Michigan. Oh, yeah, they've caught up to Ohio State. Make no mistake. They've surpassed them. They've beaten them badly the last two years. Now, having said that, though, uh, Paul Stone mentioned the schedule there, and I'm going to take Michigan to task here. I'm, I'm all in on them. I think they're over 10.5. This maybe is the best bet in the East. I don't think they're going to lose at all because they get Ohio State at home, like you said, and they've been handling Penn State. But this is a downright shame, and this is an embarrassment. East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green all at yeah. home. They did the same thing last year. Look, they didn't learn this from the Bo Schembechler years. Uh, and I know schedules are made in advance a lot, but they change these things uh, oftentimes very late. Look back at Schembechler. Look what he did. Schembechler's first year, he didn't make the schedule, but they played Dan Devine's best Missouri team and got beat every year. They were playing Washington. They were playing UCLA. They were playing Stanford in home and homes. They went, They late 70s, Bo started, and Don Canham, the 80s, started scheduling Notre Dame when Notre Dame was still Notre Dame. They didn't duck anybody. So shame on Michigan for this sort of non-conference scheduling. I'm sick of it. And, and this, is, this is a joke. And, and somebody back there, somebody should really, really be calling them out in this. And I'm going to take the opportunity to do that here. I'm, I'm tired of all this stuff, non-conference. Because that's not how Michigan used to be. And that's certainly not the way Bo used to be. Having said that, though, I think everything is in place here. McCarthy is such a dynamic quarterback. Quorum was hurt at the end of the last year, too. And remember, he came back and, and he's back. He could be a Heisman Trophy candidate uh, this year. Uh, the defense, yeah, they lost some guys, but you know, last year they lost Aiden Hutchinson too. Uh, they ended up, you know, ranked sixth in the nation in, in total defense. They'll be fine. It's uh, you don't have to worry about the names too much now. They ju- they are in reload, like Paul Stone says. They get Ohio State at home. I think they're going to beat Ohio State again because psychologically, they have stood up to the bully, and that's why I, I think Michigan's a team to beat, and I think they're going over ten and a half. Uh, and, you know, Bruce, uh, there's no no defending the East Carolina UNLV Bowling Green non-conference yep. schedule. But yep. Michigan's not alone. 
and oh, you know i've been not. i've been i've been screaming at i've been screaming at the raindrops for a long time and right. until somebody and i mean coaches it's job security coaches don't want to you know risk their job security and you know the the win loss record means more than everything the the committee has not rewarded stronger schedules uh, as much as they should as opposed to that number one thing that counts the loss column Yep. And I mean, it's just, it is, that's another long discussion for another day. But until somebody starts mandating people, nah, none of these guys are going to risk, uh, you know, they're all making more money than they ever have. And they want to try and sustain it. So it's just not in their best interest as far as a business entity to uh, schedule tougher. You would think Jim Harbaugh had a little bit more job security, but hey, wasn't too long ago, he didn't. So oh, no. you're right. Yeah. You're right. And so it's uh, but it is a- absolute epidemic in uh, co- uh, college football, non-conference schedule. Let's go to Ohio State. So close to winning it all. Um, but yet, how about this schedule? You want to talk about schedule, though, at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin, at Michigan. This is going to be interesting. So skilled players at Ohio State versus the trenches in Michigan. We talked about that. Can they get a little tougher? Uh, into trenches, but some of their their offense that they run, well, does it lend itself uh, to that? Uh, but Ohio State uh, replaces you know outstanding quarterback in Stroud, but they do. And Harrison Jr. is talking about you know maybe that's good or better than his dad. They're talking about so tons of skilled players, explosive elements, but a very interesting schedule this year, Paul. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the three road games against three quality opponents and and Notre Dame, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And I'll say, you know, and this is not any great revelation, but despite reports to the contrary, you know, the sky's not falling uh, in Columbus at this point, even though they've lost to rival Michigan uh, two times in a row, both defeats by more than two touchdowns, as uh, Bruce pointed out, favored by seven and eight points in those games, favored in both games. So, uh Michigan does indeed hold the, uh, the upper hand right now. And again, Bet Rivers currently listing Michigan as a two-and-a-half-point home favorite over the Buckeyes in that uh, game at the end of the year. You know, I think even with a uh, unproven first-time starting quarterback, whether it be junior Kyle McCord or redshirt freshman Devin Brown, you know, you talked about that embarrassment of riches at, at wide receiver and the skill positions. I mean, you got 2,000-yard receiving uh, returnees and Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, and Ameka Abuku, uh, Abuka, just, you know, nobody can, uh, it's very difficult for most teams to match up to those guys. Then you have a junior tailback in Travion Henderson, uh, who last year was injured for much of the year, but as a freshman, a true freshman, rushed for 1,248 yards. So you got some big time skill there. Obviously, offense not going to be the problem for the Buckeyes. Uh, the Buckeyes have averaged 41 points or more in each of the last six seasons, and they will again be uh, prolific offensively and obviously a defense. That's where Ohio State's got to improve, and that's where they have been uh, not quite themselves uh, the last three years, starting with the pandemic season of 2020. Uh, They obviously hired Jim Knowles, uh, their second-year defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, to try to make things better on that side of the ball, and I'm confident they're going to be better on defense this year I think it's just a question of how much better will they be championship better. Last season, and these were against good teams, don't get me wrong, but in their final six games, they gave up 30 points or more to four opponents. Those opponents, again, good teams, Penn State, Maryland, Michigan, and Georgia, but those four teams averaged 37 points, 487 yards. In the last two games against Michigan, 
Michigan scored a total of 87 points. They've gained more than 1,000 yards, 1,017 yards. Michigan against Ohio State has averaged 8.4 yards per play the last two years. So Ohio State's defense has got to be better, uh, and we'll see what they, uh, what they do on that side of the ball. Got a couple of uh, – got one play relating to Ohio State, and it's a week four game in uh, South Bend there at uh, Bet Rivers. I think we've got Ohio State currently favored by eight points over Notre yeah. Dame. Notre Dame, six and one as a home dog the last nine years, that being uh, 2014 through 2022. They're also six and one straight up as a home dog. So I'm going to take Notre Dame uh, plus the eight points over Ohio State in the game of the year there at Bet Rivers. And also another little tidbit of information, since Ohio State, back in uh, 2019, they gave up an average of 13.7 points per game, had an outstanding defense. The last three years, it hadn't been quite the same. Their defense has slipped. Their offense continues to be high octane. So you think, I wonder if their games are going over, and indeed they are. Since the start of the 2020 season, if you blindly played all Ohio State games to the over the last three years, 24-10 and 10 to the over Ohio State. Wow, that's a that's some great stuff. Uh, and uh, and Bruce, your your thoughts on the Ohio State Buckeyes this year? Yeah, uh, pretty similar to Paul. I think they'll probably go over too, and maybe the only game they lose is Michigan. And so I think there's two ways to look at Ohio State. The Michigan game separated from everything else. Uh, Ryan Day's a bully, and I'm not saying that derogatory terms. I mean he is. I mean compared, you know, Woody Hayes, maybe. Uh, uh, Francis Schmidt from long ago, I think, is a better comparison for uh, for Day. I mean, he, he would pull uh, the wings off a butterfly, I think, if he could. But um, as long as McCord can can function at quarterback, and everything suggests that he will, I think there's a chance Marvin Harrison Jr. wins the Heisman this year. I think he's going to put up those sorts of numbers. And this is a dynamite receiving crew led by Harrison. He is uncoverable. Even double-teaming him, he gets open. So, I mean, this is a big advantage uh, uh, for Ohio State. And I think they will continue to run. Paul mentioned some of the other guys. The defense is a concern uh, because in the Michigan and Georgia games last year, right at the end of the season, and they did have a chance at Georgia, but they couldn't stop Georgia once that game got going. Uh, Georgia and Michigan averaged about nine yards per play against the Knowles defense. Now, I think part of it through the season, some of those inflated numbers on defense are because Ohio State's games got so fast-paced and the opposition has to score to keep pace. It's not like you're playing Iowa. I mean, you got to try to score every time against Ohio State or you're just going to fall further and further behind. So the pace of the games had something to do with that. But nonetheless, the way Knowles' defense was not able to respond last year in those big games that Paul pointed out, I think that's a bit of a concern. My other concern about about a day, and this is only for a couple of games per year, uh, the, the, the handful of losses that he's had to go to plan B. Now, they did win a couple of close games on the way. The Utah Rose Bowl, uh, two years ago, uh, they did have, and Penn State challenged them some last year too. But when things, when Plan A doesn't work, uh, he he hasn't been able to adjust. Not the last two years against Michigan. Uh, it was the COVID year. It was a championship game. Once Alabama got rolling, that game was over. I mean, he's a bully, and that's this is a this is a classic bully scenario there. So I think they beat up everybody, lose to Michigan, but that might be enough to get him back in the Final Four. 
and uh, I think they'll be right there again. I just don't think they're above Michigan anymore. That's, a, that's an interesting thought, uh, Bruce, as far as when Ohio State is just so physically, you know, personnel superior. I mean, you're not really tested. You don't have to scheme, you know, on the sideline. But when they, you, when they go up against comparable personnel, and yes, you actually have to do some coaching, has he lacked a little bit? So, Paul, yeah. Paul you, uh, you think there's a little something to that? You know, I know there's a lot of scrutiny right now of Ryan Day, and, and you know, they obviously have not made the adjustments against Michigan. Uh, they obviously have been outclassed the last two years. So I think it's fair to, you know, I'm not ready to, uh, you know, to start saying, I don't think, you know, Bruce obviously hadn't said that either, but I don't think he's he's on the ropes. Although some people want you to go, you know, 16-0 and 0 each and every year. It's a disappointment. But, but I think it's fair to start, you know, if, if we see some more of that this year, you know, the failure, like you say, you know, you see a coach's true value from a handicapping perspective, in my mind, when the line's between the sixes. You're either giving six or you're getting six. That's a competitive game. So right. the coaching kind of comes to the forefront uh, in those types of games because the team on the other si- sideline has the athletes to compete with you. So if he continues to show some uh, chinks in the armor, so to speak, you know, I think it's fair to, to scrutinize him and maybe think, hey, man, there's a pattern here. When it comes down to having to scheme, having to think on your feet, having to make adjustments, maybe he's not the guy. But I don't think we're there yet. All right, uh, let's move on. And, you know, a team that's trying to crack that uh, elite status of, of the Big Ten. And they beat everybody else, but they have had no luck against the Big Two, and that is uh, James Franklin and Penn State. Rose Bowl champions, they benefited and got elevated to a, a, a nicer bowl because both Michigan and Ohio State were locked into the playoff, and they made the best of it. Now, they caught a break where Cameron Rising, the star, the quarterback for Utah, went down with an injury. But Sean Clifford played one of his best if not his best, one of his better, if not his best game as a Penn State quarterback. He's been there forever, and he's been, well, you know, the, 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 this crew is dying to get to that next, uh, that next step, dying to get over that hump. And they think that a guy like Drew Allaire, the quarterback, who looks apart, 6'5", 230, is that guy. Franklin is 10th year already in Happy Valley, and some people believe it might be his best roster. Their total win total is 9.5, Paul, uh, shaded to the over at minus 155 at Bet Rivers. You know, it's undisputable. Michigan and uh, Ohio State, the two best teams, not only in the East, but in the entire conference. Uh, but I believe it's also un- undebatable that Mich- uh, Penn State, rather, is the uh, third best team in the league. Uh, a very good football team, as you mentioned, trying to get over the uh, the hump. They traveled Ohio State on October 21st. They're currently getting 10 points there at Bet Rivers. Uh, more on that later. And Michigan, they te- play them at home at Happy Valley. Michigan, a small two-point favorite currently over Penn State. Uh, Penn State likely going to be favored in its remaining 10 games. You know, offensively, uh, if Michigan doesn't have the nation's best one-two uh, punch at running back, then I think it's Penn State. You got Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen last year as a true freshman. They combined for almost 2,000 yards, rushed for 1,928 yards, 6.2 yards per carry. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't throw out too many superlatives, and I, I take this very seriously. But Nicholas Singleton, he's the best running back in college football. He will be this year. He's a rare blend of speed and power. And like in that third or fourth game last year against Auburn, yeah. you're seeing him accelerate and pull away from those guys on some of those long runs. This guy is a player. 
I think he's going to be the best running back in college football this year. Their defense, you know, much like Iowa and, and Michigan for that uh, matter at this point, Penn State's going to play good defense. They ranked in the top 20 last year in scoring defense, total defense, and rushing defense. Only gave up a, a shade above 18 points a game. Got to replace a couple of secondary guys who were selected in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Uh, but I believe, once again, they're going to field one of the nation's top defenses. You know, their fortunes in 2023, uh, kind of like Quinn Ewers, who I think we talked about last uh, week in the, in the Big 12, their fortunes, I think, uh, lie on the, the right arm of uh, Drew Aller, the uh, former Mr. Ohio in high school football. Uh, if he can fulfill his five-star promise, you know, I, I think it's feasible uh, that the Nittany Lions could perhaps at least challenge for supremacy in the East. Uh, I'm going to look here to a uh, game of the year that we mentioned earlier, uh, the game against Ohio State there in Columbus. In nine previous meetings against Ohio State, James Franklin, one and eight straight up. Will chronicled he's only beat Ohio State one time in nine tries. But against the spread, which is what we talk about a lot here, Franklin seven and two against the spread uh, against the Buckeyes and uh, Penn State getting 10 points here. By that time, I think it'll be Aller's seventh start when they play the Buckeyes. He'll be well seasoned by then. Let's take Penn State plus 10 over Ohio State. All right, so Penn State, again, right around that number two. Last time they played in Columbus, they lost by nine. Two years prior to that, they lost by 11. So all the way right around that number. Bruce, can Penn State be a little bit more competitive against the big two in the East? Uh, maybe, and Paul's right. I mean, and, and the games at Columbus, like you say, they've been very competitive in covering numbers, and uh, I, I would agree with that uh, game in mid-October as well. Maybe they can, although the, and 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 Franklin has beaten Michigan and Ohio State before, though just not lately, um, and that's going to be the big hump uh, to get over. It seems like Clifford had been there since John Capaletti was there, though, uh, so he had been there a long time. Uh, but they like Alaire a lot, and I agree with Paul Stone. Uh, Singleton, uh, Saquon Barkley. I mean, it looks like him. Uh, here we go again, another big-time running back. And I think, yeah, he might be the best running back in the country. And if they still, the Heisman still wants to consider running backs, which they apparently don't do anymore, uh, maybe this guy gets in the mix. I think he's that good. I like the defense. I thought one of the best hires that Franklin made in his tenure there was bringing Manny Diaz in as the co uh, coordinator last year. Diaz got a raw deal at Miami. We'll get to that. Uh, next uh, later when we talk about the ACC in an upcoming podcast here but as a defensive coordinator he's been lights out wherever he's been and he certainly uh, acquitted himself very well last year maybe the best shutdown lockdown cornerback in the country Kalen King 21 defended passes last year that was the most in the country so he's knocking balls away when he's not intercepting them so the defense is very good uh, it depends if Alaire can can deliver at quarterback. Uh, they've got a chance, but I think they probably come in third again in this league, like Paul said. Uh, those might be the only two games they lose. One other note, I do like, now West Virginia's not what it was, but I love the fact that the Mountaineers are playing Penn State in the opener. That is an old-time Eastern rivalry. Uh, that was big throughout 50s, 60s, 70s, well into the late 80s. Uh, before Penn State uh, moved over to the Big Ten. So I'm glad to see them doing that. They have played Pitt in recent years, too. I'm glad to see Penn State at least rekindling some of those old rivalries from the days it was an Eastern Independent. And they get West Virginia in the opener, which should be kind of fun uh, for all parties involved September 2 in Happy Valley. 
All right, uh, so uh, Bruce again with uh, earlier with Michigan uh, over ten and a half. Uh, also to make the playoffs at Bet Rivers is plus one ten. Uh, so we look down a little bit, uh, looking at uh, Maryland and Lil Tua turned down reportedly a million and a half from an SEC school to transfer, but he's staying in College Park, Maryland. Uh, 250 yards a game, 18 TDs and eight interceptions. Going to have to improve that a little bit. He can uh, for Loxley's crew. but And they also uh, escaped the, the best two uh, out of the West, and that's Wisconsin and Iowa schedule-wise. Look at Michigan State and Paul uh, and Bruce. I know you have one, uh, wanted to talk about them, but roller coaster ride for Mel Tucker as he enters his fourth year uh, in East Lansing. He raided the transfer portal, and boy, he uh, had that big year. Um, you know, when they uh, they went to a New Year's Six Bowl. But they fell back uh, last year and then had a couple of upsets. It was really odd. So five and seven uh, a year ago. But, again, wins against Wisconsin and Illinois. Transfer portal heavy is where he is. Five and a half is where Michigan State is looking at the, uh, at the win total. Washington makes a return trip to East Lansing from winning last year in Seattle. Yeah, and um... – the jury for me is still out on Mel Tucker, and I, I have heard some people, uh, some Big Ten people, think that they have actually uh, upgraded from Mark D'Antonio, and, and I say, just don't go there yet. Um, Tucker, <laughs> Tucker might be a good enough coach to win occasionally, like he did two years ago when everything fell in place and Walker came in from Wake Forest and the running game got going and everything was... Uh, Everything was a lucky charm for them two years ago. But he's had four years as a head coach, and only one of them has been any good. Now, I know one of them was the pandemic year, so I'm not going to hold that against him. But they still weren't any good that year, and it was his first year there. They all, Colorado, he did not inherit a bad team from Mike McIntyre, certainly not what Dion's inheriting this year. A lot better than that. They weren't that good his first year at Colorado. I think the jury's still very much out, and they are married to Tucker. For a long time, they gave him a long-term contract extension after 2021. So, like I said, I think he's a good enough coach from what I see now to win occasionally, maybe big. But consistently, is he like D'Antonio? I don't think so. And I'm not sure about this year's team uh, either. Peyton Thorne had been taking snaps for them the last couple of years. He transferred out at the end of spring, and he's down at Auburn right now. And we talked about him last week in our SEC preview. So uh, we'll see where they go at quarterback. Is Noah Kim going to be the guy that whoever it's going to be somebody who hasn't been taking many uh, snaps before. Um, and last year, this thing did kind of crater. The offense just didn't work all that well last year. Now you're trying to uh, work, work it with a different quarterback. The alarming thing last year, and there were a few excuses. They had suspensions and a lot of injuries. Really hit on the defensive side. They had 27 different guys start games on defense last year. That is an awful lot. So uh, injuries had something to do with that. But again, uh, and, and like you said, Jimmy, they did rise up a couple of those games. Remember, the Illinois result came out of nowhere. So on occasion, Michigan State can do that. But the consistency isn't there. I really don't know about this offense if they're going to make it uh, work. A couple of transfer running backs in there. Maybe Nathan Carter from UConn is going to do what, what Walker did a couple of years ago coming over from Wake Forest. Uh, Carter was pretty interesting at UConn last year. So they're hoping they get that sort of lightning in a bottle. But we're not sure about the quarterback. I'm not sure about Tucker. Uh, they got to they play all these big boys in the eastern half of the loop. I think getting back to a bowl is going to be pretty tough. I need to be convinced more about Tucker. And I'm looking under. I uh, I agree, uh, and anybody's going to try and compare uh, D'Antonio to Tucker. I mean, uh, that's 
he's going to have a tough time uh, getting there. Uh, Paul, uh, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, Craig Schiano uh, took over a 2-21 and team to, uh, two years uh, before he took over. He's 12-24 and and uh, in, in three years, but – this is a little bit tougher getting to that next level than the big, the old Big East uh, was when they got all the way up uh, to that number one ranking back there. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, their win total is four, and so they're in the East. We know about that. It's tough, and they have to play both Wisconsin and Iowa from the western side as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, college football. I think we know this. It's not a level playing field. You know, everybody doesn't get the same size stick. And Rutgers has obviously got a, a shorter stick than most of its Big Ten brethren. Uh, you look at the last 10 years in Big Ten play, they're only 13 and 66 straight up, only 6 and 39 the last five years. Uh, I do have, you know, I don't have a huge opinion on their uh, season, regular season win total, but I did find some interesting point spread uh, tidbits. You look at them as an away underdog the last three seasons. So since Shiano's return, the last three seasons, nine and three against the spread as an away underdog. They've been catching an average of 16 and a half points in those 12 games. And while they've been a moneymaker as an away underdog, the Scarlet Knights uh, not so strong against the spread in the friendly confines, only four and 14 against the spread since the start of 2019 as a home underdog. So they've been a favorable play as an away underdog the last three seasons, not quite so favorable as a home dog the last four seasons. Bruce, you you like the under four uh, right here. Non-conference games against Northwestern Temple and Virginia Tech. We talked about that brutal schedule uh, in conference. Uh, yeah, and uh, you're right. I mean, Seattle has had a, an identifiable point spread trend, although a lot of that road dog mark was earlier in his tenure. Uh, last year, they took some uh, some lacings on the road, so uh, be careful about that. This was the worst offense in the country last year, uh, one of the worst. Only didn't even score 14 points per game, right down near the bottom in total offense stats. Seattle's uh, brought back, and former coordinator Kirk Shiraka comes back in to try to straighten this offense out. I don't think they've upgraded the quarterback room any. Winsett was very erratic last year, completed only 44% of his passes. He's supposed to be the guy. Shiano was a short-term fix here. Uh, and he's the only guy who's really been able to do anything at Rutgers in a generation, maybe back to you know Frank Burns in the 70s. Um, and he came in after Chris Ash turned out to be one of the worst hires in recent times. And he was the perfect sort of guy in the, in the COVID year because he rallied the troops and, and he got them competitive. And I think that's actually all the Rutgers really could have asked for right now. But I, I think there's an upside, there's a ceiling here with, with, with Shiano. He might be just the best alternative they have right now. And never forget this, they're in the Big Ten because of where they're located. They opened up the Eastern Seaboard uh, for the Big Ten Network to get on Tier 1 cable. That's why they're there. They're not there because of any other reason. And it's certainly not because of the record, which Paul Stone mentioned, how bad they've been in the Big Ten, 13 and 66. Ain't too good. But like Paul said, maybe look at them on the road as a dog, but otherwise be careful. And I don't think they're going to get to four wins with that quarterback situation looking bad. And I'm not sure the offense is upgraded. It was bad last year. Let me correct myself. I said uh, uh, Northwest Temple, Virginia Tech, and Wagner as the non-conference uh, schedule. So they opened up on Labor Day weekend on a Sunday, uh, hosting Northwestern. Then that uh, you know out of the uh, East have to travel to Iowa and to Madison, Wisconsin. Bruce with the under four on Rutgers there, and then the the 
team that, man, Tom Allen was kind of the talk of the town for a little bit. Remember that COVID uh, controversial two-point convert Michael Penix going against Penn State? And they were they were kind of a, a darling of the COVID season. 2019-2020 was 14-7 combined. Then 6-18 the last two years. Was that just with, you know, with smoke and mirrors or, you know, what, what exactly? Not a ton returning, and their win total is at a low three and a half. Guys, you got any opinion on the Indiana Hoosiers here? Uh, you know, myself, I, I would have to look at the under. I mean, like you said, they're, they're six and 18 straight up the last two years, also six and 18 against the spread the last two years, only two and 16 straight up in Big Ten, ten play. You know, there's just really no reason from my perspective to expect anything better in 2023. You know, I've said this all along. With the uh, NIL and the wide opening of the transfer portal where you basically have nonstop free agency, not only are FCS teams going to be get rated, group of five teams are going to get rated, but also second division power five teams, the lower echelon teams are going to get rated. And Indiana's certainly been in that class. Uh, last year, they only averaged 4.3 yards per play on offense in Big Ten play, uh, gave up 34 points a game defensively on the season, don't have a quarterback, only returned one of their top 10 uh, tacklers off that defense last year that wasn't very good to begin with, and they lose their top young defender, kind of a hybrid guy, uh, defensive end linebacker, Desan McCullough, who goes to Oklahoma. So there's just not reason, any reason really to expect uh, that better days lie ahead in Bloomington. So I would uh, lean towards the under there uh, relating to the Indiana Hoosiers. It's Bruce, you do like that under three and a half. It's an, it's an under for me, too. In fact, I'm not sure Tom Allen lasts the season there because he's opening the campaign uh, on on the hot seat for sure. They start off with Ohio State. I think the key game for him is going to be in week three. Uh, Louisville faces Indiana. Kind of an interesting game, neutral site at uh, Indianapolis at Lucas Oil there. If they don't beat Louisville, uh, and, you know, maybe, who knows if they can even beat Akron after that. Uh, the Big Ten is going to be a rough go for them. And remember, at this time last year, they were talking about uh, Connor Bazella coming in at quarterback for Mizzou as being sort of the savior. Well, you don't leave a Big Ten school to a Mac school and go to Bowling Green if things are going well at Indiana. And I think he wanted out. Uh, it didn't work last year. Walt Bell's air raid. He doesn't have enough pieces for it. Uh, and the numbers were bad last year. Maybe transfer quarterback Jackson from Tennessee, who hasn't had any experience, is going to be able to spark the offense a bit. Paul made a good point, though. The defense, uh, all the top tacklers last year, only two starters returned from the stop unit. Tom Allen is not a low-key sort of guy, too. He is Mr. Intensity. Uh, he coaches with a bullhorn. I'm not sure how well that plays anymore, and that Worked for a couple of years for him uh, when the uh, uh, trans when the cycle of personnel worked well. It hasn't worked since. They're going down downhill. I'm not sure he lasts the year, and I'm looking under in Bloomington. Long, long time ago, very early in the season last year, there was a it was a minor miracle how they pulled that one out against Illinois. Yes, it uh, was at the Friday night game, and I mean they caught some calls, they caught a little bit of everything, 
and uh, that was one of their few wins uh, last year. So Bruce is at under three and a half with the Indiana Hoosiers. That does it for the Big Ten East. And so stay tuned here to the Sports Betters Paradise YouTube channel for Big Ten West and other conference previews from a handicapping perspective as well. For Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports, Bruce Marshall, CBS Sports Line, and VegasInsider.com, I'm Jimmy Yacht here on the Sports Betters Paradise YouTube channel on the Bet Rivers Network.